0: Amen. If you would stand with me, please, and open your Bibles to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 16. Romans 16, and we will begin reading in verse 1. When you got it, say so. It says, I commend to you Phoebe, our sister who is a servant of the church in Sancria, that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many and of myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles." Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Greet my beloved Epinetus who is the firstfruits of Achaia, to Christ. Greet Mary, who labored much for us. Greet Andronicus and Junia, who, my countrymen and my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus who are fellow worker in Christ, and Stachys, my, my beloved. Greet Apelles, approved in Christ. Greet those of the household of Aristobulus. Those are great names. Um, greet Herodian, my countrymen. Greet those who are of the household of Narcissus. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa. Who loved in the who are who labored in the Lord. Greet the beloved Perseus who labored much in the Lord. Greet Rufus chosen in the Lord and his mother and mine. Greet Asyncretus, um, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermes, and the brethren who are with them. Greet Philologus and Ju- and Julia, um, Nereus and his sister Olympus and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine you have learned, and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has become known to all, therefore I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil." And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Timothy, my fellow worker, and Lucius, Jason, Sosipater, my countrymen, greet you. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, my host and the host of the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the treasurer of the city, greets you. And Quartus, a brother, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the face to God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever amen father we thank you so very much for your word this day we thank you for your truth and lord we humble our hearts before you asking you to be glorified in the preaching and the hearing of your word may our minds be stayed on you may our hearts be fixed on you and may they be open to the truth of your word as it enters in and may we not just be hearers but may we be doers of your word to bring you glory and honor in all things. We pray this in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you do not have an outline, just raise your hand and the ushers will be sure uh, to get you an outline. We want to be sure that you're able to follow along in the introduction of the sermon. We want to be able to uh, be sure that you're able to take notes so you can remember and always, as always, an encouragement to you. Uh, This is a good tool for you to utilize, to sit down with someone and walk through what you are learning in the scriptures. As a disciple of Jesus, you're called to make disciples in the way that you help someone else grow in their faith is by sharing god's word with them and so i encourage you to do that um today is going to be the last day in the book of romans and so we have made it through romans um this has been exciting for me i hope that it's been um edifying and helpful to you Uh, i know there's been a lot that we've gone through i mean paul really went went all out uh, in the book of romans and so i hope you've been encouraged through it but as we're wrapping up the book of romans i want to speak to you about special people hallelujah with a population of 329 million people, it means we deal with a lot of special people, do we not? Right, I mean, that, that, that's the population of the United States of America. Uh, people are amazing. They are God's image bearers, right? And so, um, that's good, but dealing with people isn't always easy. No two children are the same. Every parent with more than two children said amen. Uh No two churches are the same. If you have gone to a different church or you've been from one place to the other, you'll notice things are different. We worship the same Savior, but things happen differently, right? You come from some background where you do communion, you know, at the end of every sermon. You come from some backgrounds where you do communion once a month. You do some backgrounds where, you know, different communion happens different ways. And so we do it different here, right? We participate in a different way. You Some backgrounds when it comes to church is different, right? right? They do Wednesday night Bible studies or midweek services or whatever the case is, and we do things a little bit different. Every church, right, there's some differences there. Diversity makes life interesting to say the least. Hallelujah. And Paul closes his letter with some final instructions on the special people we are to embrace, we are to avoid, and we are to recognize. Three different groups of people that we see in these, in these scriptures here that we will look at together. And one group of people is the ones that we are to embrace. Those are the saints of God. And then there is another group of people that the scripture says we are to avoid. Those are the ones who are causing divisions in the church. Those are the ones who bring in false teaching, false ideologies to the church. And then there are those other people that we are to honor within the church, and those are the partners in ministry, those are the leaders in the church, and so we see these type of people. So I want you to think about this this morning. The scriptures teach us how to deal with special people. Hallelujah. You know, so people, when we talk about special people, you know, there's different kinds of special. There are, the, there are those people, oh, they're so special. And then there's those people that are like, yeah, they're special, Right? Same sentence, but you know, there's a difference, right? Those, they're so special. I just, I love them. And they're like, they're so special. You know, like extra grace folks, you know, you know, those kind of people, right? And, and, you said, and so the, the truth is that God shows us how we are supposed to deal with all kinds of people. Every special person, every different category, God shows us how we are supposed to deal with them. And so the question is, are we dealing with people the way that God says? Are we dealing with them the way that we want to deal with them? So repeat this after me, please. Say, we must embrace one another. We must embrace one another, or you could write that there as well. We must embrace the saints of God. Those who are the saints in the Lord, we are supposed to embrace them. That is the truth of the scriptures. We're supposed to embrace one another. We're supposed to care for one another. I love the way the Apostle Paul ends this portion here, verses 1 through 16. He says something in verse 16. We'll touch on it in a moment, but just look at it really quickly because he says this. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The churches of christ greet you greet one another with a holy kiss and he and he speaks and, and i love the way paul does this because he puts that command right that imperative he puts it right there right before he tells you to avoid other people and so what paul does is he draws a distinction between the people that we should be embracing with a holy kiss and the ones that we should be marking and we should be avoiding so Paul tells us that we're supposed to embrace one another. And so what does he do in verse 1 through verse 2? Um, he introduces us to someone that is special, apparently, and he says, I commend to you, Phoebe. And so this is a female, if you're uncertain, but this is a woman, and he makes it clear, our sister, hallelujah, who is a servant, right? And so we have to pause for a moment because what Paul is doing is he's literally saying not just commending, but he's introducing Phoebe to them. They apparently don't know her. And so, what he is doing is he is letting them know I want to commend her to you. I want to honor her to you. I want you to know she is important. What most people believe, as far as those who have studied the text, is they believe that Phoebe was actually the one who delivered this letter to the church in Rome. It's pretty interesting. That she would be the one who delivered this letter to the church. Rome. She's the one who brought this letter to Rome for the Apostle Paul, which is why he's making a big deal. And he pauses to say, I commend you to her because she is a servant. That word servant is, the word, is from the word where we get the, the word deacon from. She is a servant or a deaconess, right, a deaconess. In the, and, and, and here's what's important, right, because the question is, is this just a general term for servant or is this an actual technical term for deacon? So meaning someone who has a position in the church. This is really important stuff, right, for us to consider. Why? Because there's a lot of different opinions about what women's roles are in the church, And Paul is making something clear here, and he says this. Now, notice what he says. He says, she is a servant of what? To the church, he says clearly, of St. Crea. Not just a servant in general. But a deaconess in the church is Sekria. Now, really, I don't want to like tease that out too much because I don't want to squeeze it till it bursts. I'm not going to make a big argument about it. But if you were to ask me my opinion based on what I'm reading in the text, Paul makes it a technical declaration in saying that she is a servant of the church, not just a servant of Christ. Not just a minister of the Lord, but a servant of Christ. Now, 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 that's important because she's the one that potentially is delivering this letter. And he goes on and he tells them how they should treat her. That you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints. That's important, church. There is a way that we should receive one another. There is a way that we should love one another. There is a way that we should, listen to me when I say this. We should treat each other different than we treat others. We should love one another in a different way than we love other people. Listen, we should love all people, right? Amen? Like, we should love all people. We should love those who love Jesus as well as those who do not love Jesus. But there is a way that we as believers are supposed to embrace one another. We're supposed to love one another. We're supposed to care for one another. And Paul is saying, greet her in a way that is is that that is in a manner that is worthy of the saints, that is worthy of one who is walking with the Lord. As And, and not only that, but assist her in whatever business she has need of, for indeed she has been been a helper of many and of myself also. And so Paul commends her, introduces her as a servant of the Lord, one who has been very helpful unto them. So he introduces Phoebe to them, and then he goes on and he makes this list of people at the end, right? Remember, this is his, his closing out of his letter. And as he's closing, he lists these people. There are 28 individuals in this list that he mentions, most of them by name. And in that list, there's two couples that he mentions. And then out of those two couples, there are 19 men and there are nine women that are mentioned in this whole thing here. And I just want us to walk through this together and just look at what Paul says, right? And always remember this. Whenever you're asked to read the scriptures and you have to pronounce names, just do it with boldness. It doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. Just do it boldly just make it seem like you know what you're saying just listen you can roll your r's or whatever you want to do make it sound greek hebrew whatever you want to do just say it with boldness right these are the easy ones right so greets right greet priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in christ jesus so those who labored with him you guys remember Aquila and priscilla they were from the book of acts if you go back there you'll remember who they were look what he says about them he says who risked their own necks for my life those are the kind of friends we need don't we Those that are willing to say, yo, I got your back. had fun with Pastor Aldo yesterday. They took us out, right, to go and shoot some guns. I never, I've never shot, it was AR-15, right? Is that what it was? I never shot one of those before. Those things are pretty amazing. Pretty amazing, pretty amazing, right? I mean, I I, shot a shotgun yesterday. We had so much fun. We took a picture where he was pointing his gun that way or vice versa. And, you know, I always got your back, right? You need the, it was a joke in the picture, but the fact is what is that you really need people that have your back, people who are really willing to be like you know they call them the ride or die types of folks you know those people that are like yo I'm with you and we're gonna run this thing and we're gonna fight this thing and yo I'm willing to go I'm willing to go to bat for you like that's the kind of people we need see for us it's not like them like these when it says here that they risked their necks they were really they were they were really like they could have died like le- legitimately. They weren't, like, going to just be thrown in prison. They weren't just going to be beaten. They weren't just going to get a fine. It wasn't anything like that. Like, legitimately, they were going to go ahead, and they could have died for this. But also the churches, right? And so whom, whom not only I give thanks, but he also gives thanks for the churches of the Gentiles, right? And he goes on, he says, Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. And so what we see here is that apparently in their house, there was a church that was meeting there, which is something that was normative during that time. He goes on to say, Greet my beloved Epinetus who is the first fruits of Achaia to Christ. Greet Mary, who labored much for us. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my countrymen and my fellow prisoners. So these are people that was in prison, right? You have people that have labored much. A, a woman by the name of Mary who labored much for us. You have Andronicus and Junia who were fellow prisoners with Paul, who are of note among the apostles. There's some debate about that. Is it were, were they apostles or were they noted among the apostles? I would say the reading of the text leans more toward they were of note among the apostles. In other words, it's kind of like someone who stands out because of their service within the church and so what happens is it that they're going to stand out amongst each other you know what that's a go-to person that's the kind of couple that i think that they were they were of note among the apostles who also were in christ before me greet amplius my beloved in the lord and it's funny because paul will just pause and like throw someone's name in there he says nothing more about them my beloved in the lord someone i love someone who has been lovable hallelujah we all, we need lovable people around us amen Greet Urbanus or Urbanus, our fellow worker, another one working hard in Christ. And Stickus, my beloved, greet Apelles, approved in Christ. It's important, right? Like maybe, maybe this person struggled with their identity in Christ. They needed to be encouraged that they were approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. And so maybe there was a church that was meeting in his house, or maybe it's the family of Aristobulus. We're not 100 sure there. Greet Herodian, my countrymen. Greet those who are of the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord, again, could have been a church that was there. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa. Hallelujah. They were twins, maybe. Maybe it could have been. Could have been. You know, you, know, you know, some parents, they want to name all their kids with like J's or T's or whatever. And it, I don't know. I, so maybe they were twins. I'm going I'm to go with that, Pastor. Otto. They were twins. That's uh, in the moment commentary on the scripture. <laughs> who have labored in the Lord. So these two women have labored in the Lord hardworking women for the lord greet greet the beloved persis another woman who labored much in the lord greet rufus chosen or choice in the lord and his mother in mine and and when you read that his mother in mine it might not make sense to you but i was reading another translation and it's really like the one who has acted like my mother as well we need those women in the church amen those women who love, right, in, in, in such a way that they minister, that they may, that, I don't know, maybe Paul's mom was dead. May, I don't know. Or, or maybe just when he wasn't he wasn't around her. And she came in and ministered to him, right? The church needs those kind of people there. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, um, Hermes, Petravis Hermes, and the brethren who are with them. Greet um, Philologus and Julia, uh, N- N- Nereus and his sister, and Olympus and all the saints who are with them. And so Paul goes through this list. And so a couple of things that you may want to note is this. Two of them stand out to me. The first one may not seem, right, so clear when you just read through the names because you may get caught up in man, How do you pronounce those names? And forget that those names are more than just a pronunciation, but they're actually people in a time period who had certain things that were going on in their life. And so the first thing I would say is the diversity of the list should stand out to us because in this list you have men, you have women, you have slaves, you have freedmen, you have people who are well-to-do and people who are well-thought, of that are all throughout this list here that's the kind of people that you have in this list. And the Apostle Paul does the second thing I want you to note in this list and this is very important the reason why I'm pointing this out is because it is very important for our days and 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 it's gonna tie in with the second point that I will make because in our days there's a lot of pushback and and I, I just I'm doing a paper right now and I was reading and it was and it's talking about the different forms of interpretation in the scripture and, you know, updating on interpretation of Scripture. And there is one form that is there. It's not necessarily new, but it's one that is really getting a filter, especially in our day and age. And it is that that, that one of a feminist interpretation of the Scriptures. And the problem with this interpretation is that it limits the Bible's inspiration to the time period in which it was written. In other words, it makes it seem as though God did not know where we would be today when he breathed these words into life back then. And so what happens is they're like, oh, well, the Bible is written in a context that is very masculine. And so that's why I had a conversation, you know, one of those great Twitter conversations you have. Some of you probably never had one of those. And some moments, I don't know, I don't even know why I engage in these conversations, because I don't have time for this stuff, like really. And, and I just, like sometimes stuff really like just bothers me, and I'm like, I just got to say something. You know, and and, and and it was this thing, right? And, and ladies, listen, I want you to know that I love you, and I think that we have some godly women, amen, right? Like I, I just want to say this, but I have to say something. When somebody starts to call god a mother that is not scriptural i listen i understand there are scriptures that give a picture right like when jesus is speaking about a mother hen right wanting to gather her chicks right like i I get that that's not god saying that i am a female that's not it and i want you to understand something god is spirit can we get an amen to that meaning he is non-gender right nonetheless the bible refers to him as father not mother The Bible refers to him with certain ways, right? And so when people start having these arguments and they start minimizing what the Scriptures teach, we have problems with this. But why is it so important? Because in this feminist interpretation of the Scriptures, people will say the Apostle Paul was a chauvinist. Because you read his writings and it's like, well, you know, he says women should be quiet in the church. That's what he says. Amen. I know that's tough stuff. (laughs) We'll get there. We'll get there. Not today, but we're going to get there. And we'll, and we'll dig into that and see what that really is all about. Obviously, women were speaking in the church. I just mentioned to you, like, nine women and at least four of them are, t- are talked about as having worked hard in the Lord. So obviously, they weren't all like, I don't know any woman that works just like, I, I don't know, but anyway. <laughs> just saying, like, there's always conversation. You know, dudes, they'll be in a room and they're not even talking and they're working together. No conversation is happening. Women, not so much. I'm just saying, that's just how it is. So I'm assuming there was some conversation going on. There was probably some Bible instruction that was taking place. They were nonetheless serving the Lord hardcore. So why does this matter so much? Because nine women are recognized in this list. And so if the Apostle Paul was a chauvinist, he's doing a terrible job at it. Because what he is doing is he is elevating women. He's elevating them, letting people know, hey, these women are one who have worked hard in the Lord. These women are ones who have served faithfully in the Lord. These are ones who have helped advance the gospel of the kingdom. Now listen, I'm going to tell you like this, he didn't elevate them to elders, that's not what he did. He didn't say that Phoebe was you know uh, uh, an elder or anything like that. That, is, that isn't what he, that isn't what he communicated. What he communicates is he as a matter of fact, he does I think he does this for us. I think God does this for us. He simply says they've labored hard in the Lord. They've labored much in the Lord. So we can add to it if we want, but we shouldn't add to anything. We should not take away from anything. We should look at what the Scriptures communicate. The Apostle Paul was one who was more committed to emancipating women than anybody else in those times and writings. And he does this by acknowledging them, by elevating them, by communicating and showing us. And, and, you know, you go to the book of Acts, you look at Priscilla and Aquila. It doesn't say that it was just, a, you know, Aquila who was doing the rebuking of Apollos and the correcting of Apollos, was it? It was them together as a team, was it not? they're working together they were having a conversation helping someone grow in their faith and so again we have to recognize this and then i told you we would talk about the greeting with a holy kiss here's what is so important about that i've had men kiss me right and listen i'm going to just be honest i really feel funny about that it's just me i don't know just keeping it 100 with you if you've been if you're a man in this place you've ever kissed me i felt funny about that i did i felt funny right <laughs> Not because I, not because like I, I, I just feel funny. I'm just gonna just leave it there, okay? I just it feels weird, right? Like I'm used to a woman kissing me in the cheek. Like I'm cool with that little hug, you know, church hug, you know, that sideways hug, you know. Like, amen, right? Like for brothers, I'm like, give me, give me a, a handshake and let, let's hug, bro. Like you know, like let's. Do, I'll even double hug you, but kissing, like when we get to the kiss, I'm like hallelujah, like, I don't know, but I mean, but you know, in some cultures, right, like, in some cultures, like, dudes kissing the mouth, it's crazy, but anyway, but that, but that's just, I'm just saying, it just is, it is what it is, right, like, Hispanics are very affectionate, but there's some that, you know, they're beyond Hispanic affection, and I'm, you know, (laughs) So nonetheless, what is Paul saying? Is he giving us, see, this is where you have to interpret scripture within the context of culture. In that culture, kisses were normal, right? Like a kiss was a normal way that they greeted one another. And so Paul is not saying that me and Jonathan got to start kissing. Hello, somebody, right? Jonathan's probably like, he's like, anyway, he'd be like, nah, bro, that ain't ever going to happen, right? So it, it isn't that. But what it is, here's what it is. It's that kiss shows what? Shows I love you it shows i care for you right i am concerned for you i am receiving you right that's what that holy kiss is it's a sacred bond it's a sacred a sacred reception so receive one another with a sacred concern with a sacred care right sometimes it's a hug but it is what it is it is an acknowledgement of someone that you're special to me you matter to me. See, when I give you, when, when I give my brothers a hug, when I give my brothers a handshake, when I look them in the eyes, when, when I do those things, I'm saying I love you. When I, when I hug my sister, you know, and I do that, I'm saying I love you. I'm saying I care for you, right? Like that is what is happening. And so what Paul is trying to tell us is we are supposed to care one for another embrace one another within whatever cultural context we find ourselves in the second thing i'll ask you to repeat after me is this say we must avoid dissenters we must avoid dissenters and so verses 17 to 20 are so so important and I will say this unequivocally, one of the greatest dangers in our days is the mishandling of the scriptures, especially with the liberal ideologies being imposed upon the text. Now, let me pause for a moment because some of you just thought I was talking about liberals in a political sense. That's not what I'm talking about. They, they're, they're, there are some people who, when, when they hear that, that's all they think about. There are liberal interpreters of the Bible is what I'm talking about. What you would call liberal theologians or liberal commentators on the scriptures. That's what I'm talking about by liberal ideologies. They rise up and they begin to question the foundations of the text. They begin to question foundations of the truth. They find their ways in a lot of colleges that started off really being Christian colleges. And now today, your kids go there thinking they're going to a Christian college. And guess what? They sit under a professor who undermines the inspiration of Scripture, who undermines the truth of Scripture. And yet they went to a place that they thought was a Christian college. And so what we have in our days, listen to me, this is something that is so important for you as those who study, as those who read, as those who, you know, want to know what the truth of Scripture is. Before you start reading any book, before you start listening to any voice, you need to research who that person is. You need to research where that person went to school. You need to research what church that person is part of. You need to know where they are coming from because if you do not, they will talk to you in ways that sound as though they are speaking authoritatively because they've studied all of these documents and they've read all of this stuff and yet they denounce and they reject the things that are crucial to christianity like the resurrection like the virgin birth those things that really matter and then like i told you before if we can't agree on those things i don't want to hear your interpretation about other things And so for us, we have to be sure that we are considering who we are listening to. Uh, The problem with this is that there is a flat-out denial of truth. See, that's where some of them are. There's just a flat-out denial of truth. But here is the thing that is more dangerous, is the subtle elevation of some truth to the negation of other truth. See, that's where the danger is, is when we start to elevate one type of truth over another. We have to be careful because I said this before, all of this book is inspired. Hear me when I say this, God never said there are secondary issues in my word. Every word that God inspired is a primary issue. Everything that God has said is a primary issue. We cannot, hear me when I say this church, we cannot pick and choose what is going to be important and what is not. If it is unimportant, God didn't talk about it. Let me say it again. If it is unimportant, God didn't talk about it. He didn't inspire words about it. But if God inspired words about it, it is important for us to understand he's serious about it. It's not just some truth. Over other truth it is God's truth it is us making sure that we look at all of God's truth and we take it and again you have to interpret truth accurately do you not I'm not I'm not saying that all truth is equal in the sense that we're gonna go ahead and look at all of the dietary laws of the Old Testament or the or, or the, the the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament and start to apply them today that's not gonna happen but can I tell you something those two types of laws that we're talking about they have application in our day you know why because we can look at the whole purpose behind them what was God's purpose and giving these dietary laws it was to separate his people from the pagan nations around them so you know what we learn from the dietary laws we learned there's a reason God God told him this because he wants us to be sanctified body soul and spirit are you here he doesn't want us to just be sanctified in the areas we want to be but we should be sanctified in all areas that's, what that, that's why those are so important. Why are the ceremonial laws so important? Well, because the ceremonial laws are precursors to what? To Christ. The sacrificial system shows us who Jesus is, what Jesus did, what he accomplished, what he put an end to. So if you ignore those things, you don't have a foundation in the New Testament. Are you here? You have to know what the scriptures teach. And so, again, we have to be careful what we are listening to. And so the warning the apostle Paul gives, let's look at it together. Now I urge you. I beg you, I bring to your attention in the most powerful way that I can. Brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. Now it's funny because in the church today we want to talk about things that are really bad sins. But can I tell you something? We don't ever talk about divisive people. And you know who Paul said to Mark? Those who cause divisions. You know who Paul said to avoid? Those who cause divisions. Contrary to the doctrine that we have been taught. Paul makes it clear. We need to be careful to who we embrace in fellowship. Who we embrace as brothers. Who we embrace as sisters. Again, who we are listening to in our lives. We have to be careful. Listen, there's plenty of voices out there. There's plenty of voices out there that are not communicating. So what is a dissenter? Why why did I use that word there? So a dissenter is one who differs in opinion. It's one who differs in opinion over doctrine. That is over teaching, but who also causes offenses. And when when we look at that word offenses, what it means is it's the picture is somebody who is putting traps right next to the scriptures. It is someone who is putting traps that you are going to fall into because what they're doing is they're laying out the Bible, but it's just like Satan did, right, in the garden. What they're doing is they're saying, well, God, did God say this? Oh, yeah, God said this, but this is why. And then all of a sudden, we find ourselves tripped up because what? Because we were listening to people who were mixing lies with truth. They were mixing lies with truth. And let me tell you how you can tell how, who these people are. Verse 18 makes it really clear. For those who are such, listen to this now, do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ but their own belly. Are you here? They serve their own passions. Listen, whenever you have someone talking about they're a person of faith and yet they're living in their sin, we got to question that. We cannot embrace that because, you know, we start doing, we start saying, oh, well, they're people of faith, they believe in God, oh, they read the Bible, oh, they go to church, and so we should listen to their voice. Wait a second, we're not supposed to listen to their voice. As a matter of fact, we're supposed to mark them. Oh, that's rough. You know what marking means? Marking means that you make sure that that person is exposed for who they are. Oh, we don't want to do that. That's mean. That's not very Christian, is it? Oh, no, it's very Christian. Oh, that's not Christ-like. Oh, yes, it is. Jesus would call out those who were in sin. He would call, listen, the ones who were in sin who didn't want, check this out. See, see people think that. the only the, the People only equate Jesus and the woman at the well. That's the only thing that people equate Jesus with. The woman at the well and the woman who didn't get stoned. That's the only people that they equate Jesus. Whenever they think about Jesus rebuking someone, here's what they think. They think about Jesus rebuking someone who is a Pharisee, who thinks that they're all that spiritual. That's what most people think. You know, there's a guy, he was a rich young ruler. You remember him? You know what he was? He was a heathen too. And you know what Jesus did? Marked him. He walked away and he was like yeah it's hard for people to enter into the kingdom of heaven it's impossible if god doesn't do something in their hearts it's impossible and so don't tell me that jesus doesn't ever rebuke sinners oh yes he does he does he confronts sin because what because he loves them that's why he does it and if we say we love people then what are we going to do we're gonna confront them in love but there's other people in the church in the church i'm not saying they're christians I'm not saying they're believers. I'm not saying they're people of faith. They're people who are in the visible church. They go to congregations that open up a Bible and ignore other texts of Scripture. And yet, what are they doing? They are serving their bellies. They're serving their desires. Right, And what do they do? So they serve their own desires. So that's how you know. Because they twist the scriptures to fit whatever narrative they wanted to fit in their own lives. And by smooth words, this is how you know, and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the simple. So what do they do? They come talking in your Bible, just like Satan did to, the, to, to Eve in the garden. They come talking to you about these this word. Well, this is what your Bible says. This is what Jesus said. Hello. These are words in red. Hello. Uh-huh. That, that, that that's what they start doing, but they're serving their own bellies, they're serving their own desires, deceiving people. And what does Paul go on to say? He says, For your obedience, look at this. For your obedience, the reason why he is telling them to mark these people is not to be mad, is not to be mean is not to be harsh. The reason he's telling them to avoid them is because of this. For your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. Paul understood. These people were walking in obedience. They were growing in their faith. They were developing in their walk with God. They were going from glory to glory in their their representation and understanding of who jesus is and you know what was happening what is happening is these false teachers were coming in and they were going to circumvent and short circuit that growth and so paul says don't listen to them why because when you mix false teaching into the church you always end up with disobedience you always end up with people who abandon their obedience because they think oh well so and so is doing this so and so said this so and so seems to be right therefore i don't have to be so holy I don't have to be so righteous. I don't have to be so radical. Wait a second. I love Marisol's exhortation this morning. Jesus was on the cross. The Father looked away from him. So that way he would never have to look away from us. He wants us to come and walk with him in relationship. God is separate. Listen, listen to me. Our sin separates us from God. Jesus came in. This is the gospel. Jesus came in to reunify us, to rectify that broken relationship. He did that for us so that we could come into a relationship with him that would produce obedience to him. And whenever you listen to false teaching, you will always start to not obey the way that you should. But even more importantly, look what Paul says in verse 20. He says, and the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. I love it because Paul gives like three amens in this chapter, like right at the end. It's like amen, amen. So I don't feel bad saying amen, right? Amen. Amen, hallelujah. But Paul says what? When we when we embrace one another the way that we should, when we mark and avoid those who are bringing in false teaching to the church, that is when the enemy gets defeated. It is in that place. When we, don't, when we walk in disobedience, guess what? The enemy has place to run and he has place to, to enact his plans in our lives. But when we decide we're going to walk in obedience, you know what happens? The enemy is crushed. And notice that I said we. I didn't say you. I said when we see the problem with us as the church, we think about just me, myself, and I. Oh, well, I'm walking in obedience. Well, maybe you might be. I don't know. But here's the thing it's not just about your obedience, it's about our obedience it's about us obeying the scriptures it's about us agreeing on how we love each other it's about us agreeing on who is to be marked and who is to be avoided it's about that and when we do that and we come together the enemy doesn't have place in the midst of us because you know what divides us when we can't agree are you are you here When we can't agree on these things that are so fundamental in the truth of Scripture. And so we have these issues. And false teaching unchecked will always lead to disobedience. Yet a commitment, listen to me when I say this, a commitment to purity of doctrine. Listen, a commitment of purity to the truth of the Word of God will lead us to Christ-likeness. Why? Because we are not just committing to ten commandments. We are committing to the one who wrote and is these commandments. It's different. I'm walking with him. See, the problem with some of us in the church, we're so heady in our faith that our hearts don't connect to our Savior. And that we don't become like our Savior. We're supposed to be those. That's why the Bible never says just to read it, but to meditate on it. Because as you meditate on the Word of God, then your mind becomes renewed. As you meditate on the Word of God, you know what you're doing? You're spending time with a beautiful Savior. You're spending time with the God who is changing your heart, your mind, and making you more like him. The third thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, we must recognize recognize. leaders. Leaders. So we have those who we're supposed to embrace, which is all of us. We have those that we're supposed to avoid. And we have those that we are supposed to recognize. Verse 21 through 27, the apostle Paul does what? Verses 21 to 24, he says, Timothy, my fellow worker, and Lucius, Jason, and Sosipater, my countrymen, greet you. And so he pauses after this first amen, and he, or the, he, he, he pauses to say, these are greeting you. Why is he pointing out this list of people? I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, my host, and the host of the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the treasurer of the city, greets you. And Quartus, a brother, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, be with you all. Amen. And so what does Paul do? Paul simply runs down this list of those who are co-laborers with him. He runs down this list and says, hey, not only, uh, because a greeting isn't just like, hey, what's up? That isn't it. It isn't like when someone's on the phone. You know, you ever been on on a phone call and you're talking to someone and then somebody else who knows you're talking, hey, tell them I said hello. You ever been in that conversation, right? And and it's not a big deal. It's just like I just want to acknowledge them. This is more than just an acknowledgement. These are these people saying, man, I'm greeting you because I accept you, because I acknowledge you as a church, because you're valuable. And so Paul is making the list. He's telling Tertius to write this list for what? So that way these people can be recognized. You know what? If Timothy ever shows up, if, so, if Sosa Parter ever shows up, if Jason ever shows up, if any of these people ever show up, you know what? Honor them. Recognize them. Because these guys, these ladies, these are my co-laborers. These are the ones who are serving beside me. See, the one thing that I know that is true is that no, that, that nobody, we cannot, we cannot do ministry alone. Not successful ministry. See, I'm grateful for the people that serve beside me. I'm grateful for those who serve in ministry beside me, who have put their hand to the plow, who have given themselves to work because they are part of what makes what God wants to happen come to pass. If it's just me, there's a lot of stuff that's gonna happen. About all that's gonna happen here, if it's just me, I can sing and I can play piano, so we're gonna sing and I'm gonna play piano. I'm gonna lead us in worship in that way and I'm gonna get up and preach and teach, but everything else, not gonna happen. So it's not gonna, you know why? Because only one of me. But gratefully, it's not just me, but it's a bunch of people who are serving the Lord together, and I'm grateful for each of them, and we have to honor them. And then Paul does what? He closes his letter here in verse 25 to verse 27. He says, Now to him, as he's wrapping it up, who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God to obedience to the faith or obedience to the faith to God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ our Lord. In the closing benediction, I've already preached all of this, so I'm not going to go back and preach this. Everything he just said right here is just an encapsulation of what he's communicated throughout the entire book of Romans. And so you want to know what he's talking about here? Look back at the book of Romans. But when he ends this, he does something that's so important. And he, and he makes it crystal clear. There's some people, and this is the reality, there's some people in the church, they have issues honoring leaders. It's because they don't know the difference between honor and glory. That's why. They don't know that there is a difference. And what Paul does for me is he recognizes those who deserve honor, but he recognizes the only one who deserves glory. And that is the Father. That is God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Deserve glory because God did amazing things and bringing forth his purposes and his plans and saving us and delivering us and making known to us the riches of the gospel. And so Paul makes it crystal clear. He's not negating the people who deserve honor. Those people deserve honor, but there is only one who deserves glory. And so here is my closing question for you. Where do you need to grow in dealing with special people? Hallelujah. Y'all are laughing. Y'all have some issues up in this place. (laughs) There's a lot of special people, amen, in our lives. And I'll I'll tell you something. Let's all stand together and let's pray together. But I will tell you this. God has all of those special people in your life to help you become more like Jesus. And can I encourage you with this? You are a special person in many people's lives. (laughs) Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for your love toward us. Thank you for showing us how to deal with one another. Help us today, help us today to love like you call us to love. Help us today to embrace one another as you call, call us to embrace one another. Help us today to be bold enough to call out and to recognize those who need to be marked and need to be avoided, whether it's relationally, God, whether it's just in our, in a, in, in our, our consumption of media stuff, of readings, of whatever it is. God, that we would recognize those who are placing traps next to our beliefs, those who are causing us to stumble. Let us recognize them. If we have the ability to call them out, let us do that. But God, if they're unrepentant, then let us be unwilling to engage with them any any longer. And Lord, help us to honor those who serve faithfully. Help us to honor those who have given their lives to the service of your kingdom and your glory. And above everything, God, may you receive glory in our lives in all things. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. And everyone said amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise.